The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. What's up, everybody? Thanks for joining us today. My name is Ken Swanson. This is the AP Laboratory. It's the mailbag for the week. We've got two laboratory episodes coming at you this week. You're going to get the mailbag on Monday in the offseason. Wednesday, we will continue our position profiles. We will be doing the off-ball linebackers, but we'll get to that later. We have plenty to discuss your questions today. Here to help me talk about those questions. Find him on Twitter, at Chief in Carolina, Maddie Lane. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? Doing good. We're getting deeper in the draft season. That's always a good time. Your Kansas City Chiefs are still world champions, which makes you guys fans of world champions. So just remind yourself that every single time you're having a little bit of down on your luck, feeling down on your luck, hard day at work. Maybe you're like Craig and you have got like 38 new inventions you have to make that day and you pull it off. Just tell yourself you're the fan of a world champion. Isn't that right, Craig? Yeah, I'm, I'm leaning on that a lot right now, guys. It, <laughs> it, it's real nice to fall back on. And it's combine week, guys. This oh, is man. the week of the Combine. I, I'm excited to hear some of the interviews coming out. I'm excited to hear some of the behind-the-scenes stuff that inevitably leaks out. And I'm excited to see how some of these guys test to see if some of our valuation is kind of right in the right spot for some of these guys. Yeah, but now we have now, to skip dinner to watch them since they've moved I everything know. to prime time. I, uh, I will be there. At the Combine this week. Jake and I are going to the Combine. We're pretty excited about that. This is our first uh, Combine that we'll be covering. We are getting quotes. Uh, we're going to try to be getting some more quotes for the KC Draft Guide. Speaking of the KC Draft Guide, what a wonderful transition there. The championship edition of the KC Draft Guide, year two, is available for pre-order. Uh, we made that announcement last week. I don't think we've announced that on a laboratory yet so far. So that's, that's this is the first time we're announcing that. If you go to gumgum.co slash kcdraftguide2020, promo code LIV to celebrate your world champion, Kansas City Chiefs, you can get a discount on the KC Draft Guide. Uh, I think it's 854 with that promo code. And you can get over 225 write-ups on prospects, how they fit the Chiefs, we had Colin Saunders pegged perfectly. We had him as 84th in our in our guide last year. He went 84th to the Chiefs, and he was a high fit. So check it out. We You can get the, the 2019 guide for free just to see what we're up to if you want to. Just find my Go on my Twitter at Kent underscore Swanson. You can find all that information. All right. We've got plenty of questions today. Uh, if you... Uh, and we're starting with five-star reviews. If you, if you like the show... 
Go ahead, subscribe to the channel, hit that subscribe button, and then leave a five-star review. Uh, if you ask questions, we try to answer those. Um, Dustin Hughes, he ha- he doesn't really have a question. He just kind of he's he's he's, uh, he's stationed in South Carolina, serving in the Air Force. Wanted to you know talk to us about you know just kind of said thanks to us. Um, thank you, Dustin. If you find me on Twitter, just at me on Twitter. I'm going to hook you up with a free Casey draft guide. Thank you for your service. I cannot tell you how much we appreciate you. And, and the fact that you listen to us means a lot. Uh, so just hit me up on Twitter. We'll get you hooked up with a free guide. t asks, can the Chiefs get Darius Slay in free agency, Maddie? I know it's probably not free agency, but do you like the fit of Darius Slay? Do you like the idea of the Chiefs going and, and moving and grabbing him? This is kind of a loaded question, so I'll try to get through it relatively quickly. I don't think the Chiefs are in a position to send draft capital to get Darius Slay. They don't have enough draft capital currently to make that trade, I think, and feel comfortable outfitting a roster with young, cheap players because Darius Slay is going to cost a lot of money once you bring him in. That takes away some of your financial cap. It also removes some draft capital. So right now, I don't think they have the ability to trade for him and then pay him and then build out a roster. That all changes if you pick up draft capital and clear some potential weight on the salary cap books with trades throughout the offseason, though. So it's definitely an open door. And the fit would be more than perfect just because Darius Slay is one of the top five corners of the NFL. All right. Uh, Maddie in Cincinnati asks, love the show, fellas. Can we talk some more about the adaptability of the defense going through the gauntlet of the Texans passing attack, the Titans power run game, and the old school running attack of the 49ers? Different levels of the defense stepping up each round. I mean, yeah, that's uh, that's a testament to the coaching staff. That's a testament to the players that they put on the field to be able to adapt to such different opponents there. That Texans passing attack obviously their strength they got up big they tried to run the ball and then when the Chiefs got up again uh, the Chiefs defense didn't allow them back in the game corners played well the safeties played exceptional Kendall Fuller transferring back there played exceptional and then they get into the Titans game and they're able to come up with massive stops force Derrick Henry to be a non-factor you know allow Frank Clark to back up the smack talk that he put out there before the game coaching staff Brendan Daly especially helped that defensive line do their jobs up front there and then against the 49ers it was just a full team effort there I I really love you know the Spagnola article that came out on SI talking about Matt House's adjustments talking about Spag or uh, Brendan Daly's you know film room before that leading up to the game that's just what a good coaching staff can do it's not just having one strength it's the ability to kind of blend the team together and beat all kinds of different offenses because we know we see that in the NFL today there's just so many different ways that teams can beat other teams having a defense that's flexible and able to do all of that throughout the playoffs was ultimately the reason why they were able to win the Super Bowl Chief Man 11 asks two questions we know Andy would have went for it on fourth and inches if Damon was short but my question is any chance Andy calls a quarterback sneak uh, having not done it done so since Mahomes knee injury I'll just answer that one first I don't think that they would have run a quarterback sneak it would have been a good time to I guess but and, and maybe 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 they do but I think they probably would have tried to come up with something else uh, it would have been the element of surprise if they had used it though so maybe that would have been the good Good call. He says, also, if they move to a 17-game schedule, how do you think the regular season format changes? Um, so what I think will happen is it'll be another one of those 
uh, one versus one divisional game. So if you don't know, a lot of the schedule is set in place. You play one. At, you play all of your six opponents uh, in the division. You, you know those those games twice. You play one AFC division and one NFC division. They just rotate through those every single year. So you're always going to have those. And then the rest of the games are one versus one matchups. So the first. Uh, the first place team, like if the, for the Chiefs, the Chiefs were in first place in the division. They'd play another first team, first place team from last year. They'd play two, two first place teams from last year. This year, if they go to 17, it's going to be three is my guess. So you're just going to be playing a lot more first place teams uh, within, within that division uh, or within that structure. NY to KC31. Uh, who do you guys think would be a good fit on the cheaper side of free agency to fill Sammy Watkins' role if the Chiefs can't work something out? I don't think this free agency wide receiver class is very good. I think once you get past like the top couple guys, the Amari Coopers and the like, I don't think you're looking at guys that are ready to really step into such a prominent role into an NFL team. So if you lose Sammy Watkins, I would not look at all for that in free agency. If you're looking for just a body in that mold, you could kick the tires, be the third team that tries out Devin Funches because he's a bigger bodied guy that can play off the line of scrimmage and has some level of talent. But I'd really look towards the draft and not free agency. All right, let's go ahead and jump into the Twitter questions now. And our guy, the Clan McLean, asks a very good question. It's a Casey Barbecue Chiefs football crossover. If the Chiefs were barbecue, Mahomes, Kelsey, Matthew and Clark, which one's which? And we have to we have to basically assign these KC staples to the players. Burn ends, ribs, Z-Man on Texas toast, cheesy corn. Let me jump in here and just say, Patrick Mahomes is the Z-Man on Texas toast Absolutely because not. he's because he's the goat. Yes, I, I'm, I'm with I'm with Kent here, and I rarely side with Kent on food oh. things. So that means that it's right, Maddie. The one time that Kent <laughs> has ever been right about food, Patrick Mahomes. You guys is called Patrick Mahomes toast. the goat, and then you picked the third best thing on the list to nah. compare him to. So nah. we are ending this show quickly. <laughs> if you have if you have not done this before. Next time you go to Joe's, get the Z-Man on Texas toast. I want to make Travis Kelsey the cheesy corn because he's the perfect side. Perfect sidekick to Patrick LeVon Mahomes. No, no, no. Here's here's how it is. He's burn-ins because he's Kansas City. He's 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 just good old standby in Kansas City. That makes him burn ends. He's Kansas City born and raised. I, you've got Frank Clark is ribs because you know, it's just he's just good. And then he's Ty- good anywhere. He's, he's good, good anywhere. anywhere. He's good anywhere. <laughs> good and Tyron Matthew is cheesy corn because he's still underrated. And that cheesy corn is crazy oh, underrated. Don't sleep on him. Okay, I can I can Matt, sign up. Matt for that. is very upset by this conversation. Well, Maddie's wrong, and I can't. I w- don't understand how somebody thinks the best thing at a barbecue restaurant is slapping a tiny chunk of meat 
in between two slabs of bread rather than getting some form of platter that has multiple meats in multiple sides. I will never in my life understand that decision to order this tiny baby sandwich that could barely fill up my nine month old rather than getting a platter full of meat and sides. So Patrick Mahomes is absolutely positively not a Z-man. He's he from is, Texas. He's he, from Texas. Texas he, toast. He is burnt ends because his career started in Kansas City. It's going to end in Kansas City and it going in anything anywhere else in the barbecue world isn't as good as Patrick Mahomes, just like every other quarterback in the world. Yeah, Next. Uh, d- direct all of your hate tweets to at Chief in Carolina. <laughs> Do not tag me in these. I'm not interested. You, you Fire them right. at us. Good barbecue has a minimum of three sides and two different kinds of meats on your plate. If you don't oh. have that, miss me with your barbecue take. I'm next. gonna move on. To, I'm gonna move on to the next question after I say, God forbid, you get a Z-man and some burn ends with it. God forbid that. Why do Todd, I need bread? Why Todd, do I need bread? I said I got last word. Todd Reeves says, seems to me the key to signing Levon. He just calls him Levon to big money and signing Chris Jones long term would be to find someone to take Anthony Hitchens and his deal off of the books. Should Veach be talking to teams to try and make a deal for Hitchens? If the Chiefs, as the roster, as the structure of the contract is currently constructed, Anthony Hitchens, if they were to trade him, they would lose like $75,000 on the cap. They are not saving cap with Anthony Hitchens by moving on from him. If the new CBA is agreed to, they might be able to post June on him. And then you're but and then they would get some cap back for this year. But honestly, not and, and that 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 money on a post June one cut can't be used until after June one anyway. So you're not being able to utilize. That's just basically your new emergency fund will be established with the Anthony Hitchens space. That's not a move that's going to be able to allow more flexibility for this roster. Just you want to lose flex. Pat for sure? Keep comparing him to a Z-Man instead of burnt ends. <laughs> Nate CH479, sign one, trade one, cut one. Let's just call it keep one, trade one, cut one, because some of these guys are under, under contract, but you know, keep as in re-sign or keep as in keep on the roster. We're just going to burn through these. Uh, Maddie, you're up first. Austin Ryder, LDT, Irving. Keep one, trade one, cut one. I'm trading LDT because he might have some semblance of trade value to the world. I am going to cut Reader because they think he might be a starter, and I don't even want that in my life. And I'll keep Cam Irving because if someone's going to go to a fight for Patrick Mahomes, it will definitely be Cam Irving. (laughs) Okay, Craig, Emmanuel Agba, Terrell Suggs, uh, Alex Okafor, go. Keep Agba uh, Suggs cut because his option has already lapsed so he's technically a free agent right now. And then I'm trading Alex Okafor. You might be able to get something. Uh, the Chiefs are maybe getting a compensatory pick because of the way that yeah. Alex Okafor's thing worked. We're, we're waiting to see. We'll get into we'll that find more out. if it happens. But, uh, but yeah, we Alex think- Okafor is real cheap. So another team might it might send a late pick at him. There is a chance that the Chiefs can get a compensatory pick for Kermit T. Sipping, shade tweeting, no capping, Steve Nelson. They could get a fourth round pick for that guy. If that happens, I am playing cool in the gang for 24 straight hours. All right, Maddie, here we go. Chris Jones, Sam Watkins, Frank Clark, keep one, trade one, cut one. 
Well, this is the second easiest one of these. I think Kent has the easiest one later, but this one's very easy. You keep Frank Clark, you trade Chris Jones, and you have to say goodbye to Sammy Watkins. That, 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 probably, that very well could happen. Very well could happen. Okay, Craig. Travis Kelsey, Tyree Kill, Tyron Matthew. This wow. is the worst one. The wow. The bullet. You're, you're cutting me, you're trading me, and you're keeping all of those guys. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Uh, I, I'm just going to do the last one. Spags, Eric Bieniemy, Dave Tobe. Dave Tobe is gone. We already knew that was happening. Like that was. That's why I wanted to take this one. I was going to let you guys have the more interesting ones. I was just going to, you know, cut Dave Tobe, trading Eric Bieniemy because he might have some value out there, and keeping Spags because you can he's get away with. He's the go. Andy's calling the plays. And that's just how it works. All right, we're going to take a break. Seriously, wait, wait, wait. Before we go to the break, Nate, what's wrong with you? Kelsey, Tyron, and... What kind of and, sociopath does that? <laughs> I would like to hear the answer. I'm... <sighs> Do I gotta, it. Yeah. I got to I gotta cut Travis just because of age. That's it. That's it. And it hurts me to my core. I think Tyree Kill's trade value is the most... And so I think I'm going to keep Tyron Matthew just because of what he does on defense. And I'm a defensive guy. Uh, I hate defensive it. I guy. Hate it. You know what? You have Patrick LeVon Mahomes. You can figure it out on offense. Okay. Now we're. He can't throw the ball to anyone. We're going to take a break. We're going to enjoy a Z man on toast. Maddie's going to eat two of them. And we'll be, we'll be back right after that. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Oh, man, that, that Z-Man was delicious, I tell you what. Okay, we're uh, we're continuing on with these questions. Chief Boy RDG asks, who is your biggest fool's gold that you see connected to the Chiefs? Players that you see mocked to them in drafts or free agency that the world is high on, but you don't see them fitting in with the Chiefs or just aren't actually that good. Would love you guys to revisit this as more mock draft comes out. I think that's a great idea, and we might, we might have to do that later on too. Maddie, kick us off. Yeah, I definitely think it's a question that should come back around. Right now, any single running back going to the Chiefs in the first round is the biggest fool's gold because the Chiefs do not utilize a running back heavily enough to take one in the first 32 picks. They do not need a running back to be that heavily utilized to be good. You can point to all the Kareem Hunt stats we want to. This team, this offense has been just fine without him by throwing the ball or only running into advantageous positions. They do not need a running back early. Get them all the way away from the Chiefs in the first round of mock drafts. Yeah, uh, Michael Pittman Jr., <laughs> I, I'll just be I'll just be blunt with that. I see a lot of them from national guys. I see a lot of them from guys that send us picks. The Chiefs haven't drafted a bigger, slower wide receiver and had them you know play a role for this team in this offense 
in a very, very long time. Andy Reid wants speed, and he's willing to sacrifice size and contested jump balls and everything like that. I watched Michael Pittman against Utah. He was phenomenal. I've had to watch that game a bunch of times because I have a bunch of guys in the KC Draft Guide that I'm covering that went up against him, and he dominated them. We saw him at the Senior Bowl, and he's just he's a different tier down in athleticism. He just doesn't have burst. He doesn't have long speed. There's just the two things that kind of Andy Reid covets because he feels like he can train wide receivers into being a functional wide receiver at the NFL level. He wants athleticism. He wants speed. Michael Pittman isn't that guy. So realistically, it's anytime I see Michael Pittman, I'm just going, nah, that's not that's not in the cards for Andy Reid. Speaking of somebody that you watched uh, Michael Pittman play, uh, Jalen Johnson, for some reason, got mocked to the Chiefs in the first round. No. And And I'm a Jalen Johnson fan. I like Jalen Johnson's cool and all, but that makes one of us (laughs) like round one round one for Jalen Johnson. Like, let's let's see how the combine shakes out, because I don't think he's going to put on a, a, a great show. I think some other guys will really come out of that whole process uh a lot higher like troy pride apparently is gonna run like sub 440 um and i I don't know jalen johnson he's a fine player i value him more late day two you could probably talk to talk me into him at like 63 you could definitely talk me into him at 63 but 32 we're gonna talk about jalen johnson round one hard pass graver tanner asks uh kenneth murray Patrick Queen, Cameron Dantzler, Jeff Gladney, and Cesar Ruiz are sitting there at 32. Who do you take? Okay. Uh, Anybody who has followed me for very long knows that Kenneth Murray is my linebacker one. I'm taking Patrick Queen (laughs) immediately. (laughs) Patrick Queen's ceiling is ultra high. He is not going to be there at 32 End of story. He is a freak. He finished the season so well, and he has so much room for growth. He's just been able to pick up and, you know, develop as a player so, so well. So I'm taking Patrick Queen, and I'm gambling on the huge upside there. I have professed my love for Jeff Gladney, Cam Dantzler, and Cesar Ruiz during these last few weeks of this podcast. Patrick Queen is better than all of them combined. <laughs> Patrick Queen combined <laughs> is the answer. It is the only acceptable answer here. If Kent says anything else, it will be as wrong as him picking a Z-man on bread over an actual barbecue meat. Patrick Queen not only has the ceiling that Craig is talking about, and we, I'm sure we'll get into Queen more as this goes, he is is about perfect of a modern linebacker prospect as you can come up with. The fact that he's only 19 and going to be 20 years old when he he's starts. He's 20, going to be 21. 20, 21. I knew my age guy was going to fix me if I messed this yeah. up. He's this, all isn't a just... Tremaine Edgman. this isn't a Tremaine Edmonds situation. All right, we're just going to move it on now. Patrick Queen, excellent in coverage, phenomenal athlete. He makes more plays every single week that make you rewind the film and watch it again because he is getting better every single week that he plays. His final game of the season was some of the best linebacker play you're going to see all year long. He's going to go. <laughs> we're, just, we're giving up. There's no more Patrick Queen talk <laughs> moving forward because that man is he's he's not going to be there. He got uh, the the only other logical scenario for that is if all those guys are sitting there, just trade back to like 34. 
and just get whatever's left because 33 is going to 33 is going to be like a wide receiver or something for Joe Burrow anyway. So it's perfect. Uh, Jake asks uh, Xavier McKinney or Grant Delpit fall to 32. Do either interest you? I think you have to be a little interested. I mean, they're both very good safeties. At first, when I first had this idea come up a couple weeks ago, maybe about a month now, I thought that it would be kind of wild to spend more draft capital on another safety. But really diving into it, if you take an Xavier McKinney or a Grant Delpit, it doesn't matter how many guys are safeties. You have them two, Tyron Matthew, Juan Thornhill. Any one of those guys can cover the slot. They could all play slot corner. They can all play deep. They can all play underneath zones. I think you would have a very difficult time as an offense playing against either one of them two next to Juan Thornhill and Tyron Matthew finding a place to throw the football besides at the outside quarterback position. And if you can narrow down where the other team has to attack that specifically, that's only good for your team. I would lean towards McKinney because I do think he's a little better closer to the line of scrimmage than Grant Delpit is, but I'm not against either one if they fell all the way to 32. Yeah, I said uh, a couple weeks ago that that was a sneaky pick in the thirty, you know, in the first round there for the Chiefs. If one of those guys fell, I would one hundred percent take it because, yeah, like Matt said, you can't throw between the numbers. Imagine a team not being able to throw between the numbers. It seems foreign because just two years ago with Bob Sutton, that's all teams did. Now you wouldn't be able to do that. You're forcing longer route concepts. You're forcing more air yards on, you know, with the ball. That's good. That's good news. I would much rather do that, you know, especially if a linebacker or a corner that they don't like is there, which in that situation is probably the case. If one of those guys fell, I'd take them in a heartbeat. I'd line them up out there. You can figure it out. Uh, of those two, Grant Delpit's the most likely to be there, yes. in my opinion. Um, Tyron Matthew, LSU Tiger, Grant Delpit, LSU Tiger. Any of those weird? Any of those concerns you might have about some of the, you know, tackling potentially with him? Effort level. There's, there's some. There's some accountability in there. Uh-huh. <laughs> Go watch Grant Delpit in two, th- 2018. Oh, I did goodness. the other day. I was like, oh, man. He was Where so was good. This? Where was, was this guy? Where did this hurt. guy go? He was hurt all of 2019. He was hurt all of 2019. Okay. Here's an interesting one. Brandon 422. Chris Jones on a three-year deal at $17.5 million per year or the Colts' number one pick. That's pick number 13. I... That's tough because that dollar figure is about where I like the idea of bringing Chris Jones back. That's why this is a fantastic question. However, pick 13 in this draft, that is a very good player. You might be able to move up potentially if if something weird happens with the quarterbacks. Maybe you can move all the way up and get a Jeff Okuda. Somebody like that. You're sitting pretty to guarantee yourself Patrick Queen right there. That is a this is a this is a fantastic question because it's challenging. Like I don't think me and I don't think all of us are like I we kind of get like perceived like we're just all out all the way out on 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 Chris Jones. It's just Chris Jones at the right price. This is this is challenging. I'll go with pick 13. You have more cap flexibility and you'd get yourself a very good player at 13. I almost wanted to go full rant Swanson there at the end of that to talk about it just being a, a Chris Jones thing, but we're going to save that for next week's podcast. I have some Chris Jones takes. I am not, like Ken said, all the way out, 
I don't think that Chris Jones is as completely irreplaceable as some other people do. I don't think he dominated the Super Bowl. I don't think he's this perfect fit and all that stuff. So that's that's for next week. So we'll bring that back up. But Kent's right. This is the perfect kind of money that you can offer here and being a three-year deal because it is completely feasible to keep Chris Jones for that amount of money and still build this roster out. But you're making me decide between Chris Jones for three years and a still relatively high number and drafting Patrick Queen or Jeffrey Akuda on a rookie deal to be one of the cornerstones of my defense for a long time. I think given the fact that I assume I could get one of those two guys, I would have to take the draft pick because I do think those two guys are good enough, either Jeff Akuda if he fell for some crazy reason or Patrick Queen, but it would be real tight. If I couldn't get one of those guys and I didn't feel that good about it, Chris Jones at 17 and a half million is a steal. Okay. So just throwing this out there, Trading pick 13 and pick 32, you could move up into the top five. Oh, baby. What if Chase Young fell? Oh, shut up. Shut up, Craig. I would take Chase Young in a heartbeat. I would too, but like, come on. That being said, (laughs) with the new CBA, $17.5 million a year is going to be cheap for a defensive tackle. If Chris Jones is willing to sign for $17.5 million, By year two, maybe year one and a half of that deal, he is going to be criminally underpaid. Shoot, he'd be criminally underpaid from the start of it. It's hard to find good talent. I think I'd keep Chris Jones in this situation. I really do. Because even if you're just playing him on passing downs and you're getting some bigger guys to play inside, I think what he offers as an interior pass rusher is better than what Steve Spagnolo could field, even with rotating guys in and blitzing and everything like that. I just think it makes too much of a difference. I would keep him. You would have, uh, you'd also have the uh, cap space too, though, if you got the pick too. I like, know. It, it's such a good question. Like that's the that's the one of the best questions that we've gotten a long time. That's very difficult. Chase Young, though. I mean, <laughs> I mean, if it's a if it's if it's on the menu, <laughs> sign me up. 100 percent uh if there's a way to make that happen um kelly clark asks thoughts on brandon iu kj hill and kj hamler what round do you think they'll go uh maddie start us up with brandon iu uh brandon iuk out of arizona state so brandon iu is a very interesting guy because he's getting a ton of hype right now and i think that there's a lot there's a very high ceiling for brandon iu as a football player he had a ton of hype going into the senior bowl unfortunately i think his medical diagnosis was actually a little incorrect it was called a hip injury and i believe it was a core muscle thing but it held him out of the senior bowl so he couldn't really perform there He's got a great ceiling. It seems like NFL teams that talk and speak about him like him a little bit more than they liked in Keel Harry, who the Patriots took at the end of round one last year. He's definitely a better athlete. The issue is he's so raw. He's a senior, so he's been in college for a while, and he's still such a raw football player. He has to work on his routes. got to be more crisp. He's got to learn how to get off the line of scrimmage. He's got to understand spacing of his routes when he's playing against zone. There's a lot to teach him. There's a huge upside. As far as a fit with the Chiefs, though, Chiefs, though, I'm just not sure he's ready to step in right away. I kind of see him very similar to McCole Hardman and his usage, especially early in his career, which isn't bad as a player. It's just I'm not sure how that slots in with Tyreek Hill and already having McCole Hardman. I think you're going to have to spend a top 50 pick to get him, and I don't think the Chiefs should do that. All right, Craig, let's talk about KJ Schultz. Or no, sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I was reading something. K.J. Hill from Ohio State. 
<laughs> yeah, KJ Hill is kind of an opposite of Brandon Ayuk a little bit. He's a fantastic route runner. Like we saw him just routing corners up at the senior bowl when we were there. He was always open. And it was a little bit reminiscent of Terry McLaurin at the senior bowl last year, except he's shorter. He's not quite as dynamic. He's just not the same sort of athlete that Terry McLaurin was. So, in that regard, KJ Hill's probably a late three, early four. I think he's might be fairly comfortably in day three, probably early day three, but I, I think he's going to be a productive guy. He's just very small. He's got short arms. You've just got a very small window to throw him the ball. And even though he is a fantastic route runner, the NFL likes to gamble on guys with a little more athletic traits and try to develop the route running versus the other way around. All right, let's go KJ Hamler from Penn State. He's a smaller guy. He's about 5'9", 170 pounds. He is supposedly going to light the combine on fire. I look at KJ Hamler, and I I called him earlier this week, I called him uh, Hollywood Brown taking the right round. I think he's going to be like a round two player. And I think, you know, he's he presents some of the similar abilities that Hollywood Brown does. I think he's going to he's fast. Like he's definitely fast on the field. I think he's like more fluid than McCole Hardman. I, I think McCole's a little bit linear. I think uh, a guy like KJ Hamler, uh, I think he's got more uh, ability uh, to potentially develop as a route runner because he's more fluid through his entire body, but he's still got that long speed. He's got some tracking ability over his shoulder. Saw him do that this week when I was watching him. Uh, he's a vertical threat. They tried to the Penn State tried to use him after the catch a little bit and like on short on short throws. He really wasn't that effective, but I think as a vertical stretch guy, I think he's got a lot of potential. I'm really curious to see how he tests. I don't think the Chiefs make a lot of sense for him, and I think he's probably going to go in the round in the second round. Chief England ninety five asks, "Who is a player you would love to see get drafted by the Chiefs, even though it might not be a position of need?" Ooh, this is always one of the most difficult questions. To go with a guy that we've already mentioned on this podcast, Patrick Queen or Jeffrey Kuda, I'm going to say C.D. Lamb, and the chances of him falling down that far are just as rare as one of those guys. However, in this wide receiver class, if Lamb runs a slower 40 time than people are kind of expecting, I think there is just a slim chance that his athletic testing can push him down there. And C.D. Lamb, for me, is the best wide receiver in this class. I love everything about his game, and I think that he would fit in perfectly with the Chiefs also along with being a, just an excellent receiving prospect coming out. Yeah, uh, my guy, I'm glad Maddie didn't take it because I was worried he might. Edge defender A.J. Epinesa from Iowa. <laughs> I, I finally got eyes on him earlier this week. He was phenomenal. I, he, he really, his pass rush plan is great. He's got an entire toolbox. He's 280 pounds and he doesn't move like he's 280 pounds. He, he would fit so well in Spags' scheme. I'd love to add him to this rotation because he has that inside outside versatility and just his awareness, his smarts and his plan are going to fit in so well. We've seen Frank Clark set guys up all game long. AJ Epinesa comes in with that exact same ability you're going to see guys that are closers they win in the fourth quarter give me aj epineza uh i'm gonna go receiver two 
a guy that I think actually has a chance to be there at the end of 32. Like CD Lamb, like I I would love CD Lamb. I, I agree with Matt. It's, it's not going to happen, uh, most likely. But T. Higgins from Clemson, I think would be a really fun add to this offense. I think he could play your ex. He's a big physical receiver. Um, he's good after the catch. He's got some after the catch belly. Not quite like CD Lamb, but he still does have some after the catch ability. He's physical through contact. He's good at the pet catch point, and he might wind up being a better athlete than some people think. Uh, and I, as far as I mean, he he could be an absolute stud for this group, uh, and I think he would fit in pretty quickly too like i think you could get some production out of here out of him in year one uh curtis clarice asks what are your thoughts on free agents sean lee or snacks harrison maddie i'm gonna have ask you this because i know you've already had some snacks harrison thought i have no interest in sean lee no. unfortunately he can't stay on the no. can't stay on the field and i'm not sure his play right now is actually that much of an improvement over what the chiefs had last year seeming we took the last two Dallas Cowboy linebackers that had to fill in for him when he was injured every time. So Snacks Harrison, yes, bring him in. Absolutely do it yesterday. He seems like he's contemplated with retirement. It seems like he might be willing to give it another go. He's kind of doing all his family thing. He's taking time for himself and his family right now, which is great for him. But he was still a quality player last year. His play dipped a little bit, but not so much that he wouldn't be useful in a role here. The last time he was with Steve Spagnuolo, he was one of the most dominant defensive tackles you will ever see that doesn't get to double-digit sacks because that's not as flashy. He was an absolute terror under Steve Spagnuolo before. He fits perfectly the mold of a run-stopping defensive tackle that has this rare lateral agility for a guy his size to really shoot through gaps. So he, he would be a perfect fit along with Mike Pinnell to join this defensive tackle room. All right, DW Chiefs ask, and we're going to close on this one. I thought it was a pretty good question. It's an interesting one for maybe some people that don't have some of our opinions on last year's draft. After last year's draft, what was what was y'all's feelings on Casey's picks? Um, let's go like immediate response to those picks because it's kind of going to talk about our positioning on that. Okay, uh, immediate response to those. We, I, I wasn't high on McCall Hardman. He was fast. You can't teach speed, but he had a lot of work to do. And at the time, we thought maybe the Chiefs are going to be without Tyreek Hill for a little bit. Like it literally happened the day before that we were worried that Tyreek Hill wasn't going to be there. Um, I, I loved Juan Thornhill. We thought he was a perfect fit. We would have taken him at 29. So getting him that late was perfect. We liked Colin Saunders. We love his upside, love his ability to do things. Rashad Fenton, I wasn't high on, frankly. He was in the 30s for me in corners in the KC draft guide. I thought he was more of a boundary corner. They played him at nickel, whatever. He was pretty good this year. And then Nick Allegretti, we thought, and Darwin Thompson both had super high ceilings we were interested in them as players we liked both of those picks quite a bit okay mccall hardman i did not like the value there at 56 i thought he was yeah i thought he had a narrow path to success still kind of i don't know if i'm off that take entirely i still think it's kind of narrow but he found a lot of success doing the things that we thought he was going to do which was vertical plays manufactured touches that was really that was mccall the definition of mccall hardman's first year um and he maximized himself and, and did a phenomenal job in the role that he was asked to do juan thornhill loved uh was geeked out that they were getting him i would have been I, I think we've said this we would have been happy with him in the first round if the chiefs had taken juan thornhill in the first round we would have been thrilled 
Colin liked him. Rashad didn't really have a strong take on him. Darwin had value to believe in the fifth round. So I had him valued higher than where they got him. And Nick Agretti, I didn't really have a strong take on either. Similar thoughts. These guys, we spend way too much talking time talking about stuff. So we already knew it. I was probably the most adamantly against McCole Hardman, at least outspokenly. Kent, I think, felt about the same way, just kept it a little bit more contained than I did. But <laughs> I just, McCole Hardman far surpassed what I thought of him, even though his usage was very similar to what I thought it would be. I just didn't see the full wide receiver repertoire coming from him, coming out of college. I think it got a little bit better as the year went on. But at the time, I just simply did not see how he was going to translate to anything more than a third or fourth type wide receiver for gimmick plays. Still might be Juan true, Thorne, by the way. No. <laughs> it might be true, by the way. And that was Ken Swanson. That's and, good value, uh, Juan, though. I mean, like, he could, he, he's good at what he does, but I don't know what his ceiling is. And that's why we had the concerns when we did. Anyways, continue. Juan Thornhill was a guy we were on all draft season. We were huge fans. We loved him as a free safety. His fit was perfect. They've all said it. We wanted him in the first round. We put him in the first round of many mock drafts. We love that pick. Colin Saunders, I thought was maybe a little high for him because he was still a project, but I liked the potential upside. The athleticism he brings was great. I was a big Darwin Thompson fan. I thought he was very good. Now, I'm kind of drawn towards guys that are random workout freaks and warriors, so the fact that Darwin Thompson was completely yoked, it kind of you know that was just extra fun that's like an extra three round bump or something like that but i liked his game i thought it was really good and i love seeing him try to hurdle 15 guys in one game i actually did not see nick allegretti play a single snap before we drafted him and rashad finn didn't have strong feelings on i watched him wasn't impressed but didn't dislike him either i just was pretty ho-hum on that pick so that's kind of a whole wrap up the biggest takeaway i had from last year's draft Z-Man is still not the best thing you can get at any oh. barbecue restaurant <laughs> in the world. You get off of this podcast already. We're all going to get off of this podcast. That's going to do it for the mailbag this week. We will be back in the middle of the week with an offense or off-ball linebacker preview. Catch you later.